We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the edition of Dynasty Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. We are into middle May, which means that most of the the quote unquote degenerates are even, are done with their rookie drafts, their rookie auctions. That they're done. I I think I have like you know about twenty leagues. I'm done with rookie drafts and auctions in about fifteen of them. Um, so I only have a few more left as I gather my 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 favorite rookies. Um. But we're going to, for those that haven't had their rookie drafts yet, or maybe people who have are retrospectively looking, oh, did I get a good value? Did I overpay? We're going to talk about some of the overrated and underrated players based off current MFL rookie ADP, starting from April 30th, which is the Sunday after the NFL draft, to May 16th, the day that we're recording this. So who's overrated, who's underrated based off of their ADP by position and ADP by their overall positioning in rookie drafts? How are you today, Dan? I'm good. I, this is this is one that I always kind of enjoy because we get to deep dive a little bit, but also we get we get to we get to spew a little negativity, and I am just the king of negativity. So there you go. Get get your hate out on your Tuesday morning uh, before you go to work. All right. So we're going to start off. Um, so Dan and I are going to alternate overrated, underrated, give our takes, and we'll we'll uh, deter or or agree with each other. So first, we're going to start with the quarterback position, and because we love hate, we will start with overrated. Dan, who do you have as the overrated quarterback at their current rookie ADP? Then I said it pre-show, this one stings for me because I do like the player. I just, altogether, it doesn't seem like a great a great anything. So for my overrated quarterback, I have Hendon Hooker. Now, he's only quarterback five and only being drafted at 22 overall. So we need context, right? He's currently 25 years old. Jared Goff is under contract until, I think, through 2024. So at best, I mean, he, he's going to be, what, 27 before he would even have a shot at this? And if healthy, you know, who knows? Maybe Detroit goes back to the well. Maybe they re-sign Jared Goff. Maybe that final year is terrible and, and all of this has, was for nothing. And they draft a quarterback in 2025. 
we don't we don't know the outlook. Uh, what we do know, what Hendon Hooker brings to the table, he can be electric when healthy. If the weapons are doing what he needs them to do, like they were at Tennessee for a little while there, I just I struggle with putting a lot of faith into a third round quarterback. There hasn't been obviously a lot of success out of the third. More recently, there has been uh, a few guys that have turned into what appear to be superstars. Um, but I I think. I think this might just be a somehow older Desmond Ritter, uh, if you will. I, I maybe he catches on, maybe maybe something is there. Um, I, but I do think that not only was the ACL uh, a big reason for this, but the age as well. So I think even if he were 100% healthy, the fact that he's you know he's going to be Brandon Whedon age before he has a chance at starting in the NFL, unless something goes terribly wrong with Jared Goff. Uh, all of these things just kind of snowball into probably not great. And, and again, I love the player. I love what he brings. Age is a big factor. Uh, returning health is going to be a factor. And where he's at is going to be a factor. This Dan Campbell, Jared Goff connection, uh, you know, Dan Campbell resurrected the career of Jared Goff after it maybe all was lost. And now here we are looking looking down at you know, the Detroit Lions potentially leading the NFC North. Uh, who who would have seen that? So I'm, I'm probably out on Hendon Hooker at this stage. I would love for to find a reason to be back in, though, Nathan. Yeah, I, I think that the age obviously is a huge issue. If, if Hendon Hooker is 22 years old, he is probably a second round pick. He is probably, you know, contending with Will Levis for the, the QB4 in ADP, the QB4 in, in fantasy value. But the the problem with calling Hendon Hooker overrated here is he is going 22 overall. That's the late second round of a Superflex rookie draft. And in that stage of a rookie draft, I'm I'm taking swings. And it's hard to say that drafting a 25-year-old quarterback is taking a home run swing. But when you put Hendon Hooker into the road of his box score scout and you put in his draft position of 68, his comparables, Ian Book, not great. Uh, but Desmond Ritter, who you mentioned, uh, F57 sim score. Dak Prescott with a 56 sim score, Andy Dalton with a 50 sim score. There are some guys who have a sim, uh, you know, at least partially similar profile to Hendon Hooker. And the the biggest thing for why I think he's worth his draft position right now is the upside of the legs. I know he's hurt right now, and you know we don't know when he's going to be able to f- physically play football. But in the scenario where he has poten- the potential to be the 2024 starter, he's healthy. And he's around this very young offense that has Jameer Gibbs. This is a very exciting offense with a guy who has legs, but, you know, as long as he comes back from injury, that's why I have trouble putting him in the overrated category. What I will say is he has a definite high probability of being a roster clogger. That would be my one concern with Hooker is that you're going to draft him. He's going to be on your roster and you might wait three years before dropping him and he may literally do nothing. I was going to go Will Levis, but I feel like everybody and their grandmother has talked about Will Levis being overdrafted. And honestly, at 11 with a chance to start this year, even though he puts mayonnaise in his coffee, that value probably isn't terrible outside of the fact that he actually is terrible. So there, there is that. Whereas I, I do like Hendon Hooker. I just I felt like that was kind of a spot at QB five, not necessarily the overall, because I don't I don't think the end of the second is necessarily terrible from a, a value perspective. I just. I mean, you kind of mentioned it. Obviously, the, some of the sim scores are great there, but it, it's still, it, it'd be an outlier if he hit. 
Yes. No, and that's pretty much the case with any day two quarterback, even starting. Like, Levis wouldn't be that much of an outlier at early second, but, like, you're looking at, like, late second guys and early third guys like Ritter and Malik Willis. Those are the more, you know, outlier type guys. Now we'll go to the underrated. I did have some trouble with underrated because I think that the top three quarterbacks are all appropriately valued. I think Levis might be a a hair underrated, but not that much at at 11. I think that he's right in line with Kincaid and Flowers in the late first round. So I went with more of a a deeper dive with Dorian Thompson Robinson. Went in the fifth round, pick 140 overall out of UCLA. And this is kind of, like I said, more of a home run swing in the later rounds in the fourth, in the fifth, in the sixth round of your draft, if they go that late. Definitely a guy, if if he falls out of, like, if 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 where he's going at 69 overall, if that's past the threshold of, of where your draft, like, if your league has 60 rookie draft picks and Thompson's going, Thompson Robinson is going undrafted, he is definitely a guy who I'd be looking for as a, a priority free agent. Doesn't obviously have any sort of immediate opportunity, per se, but it's not like... Deshaun Watson has a clean profile right now. He went basically to, he did go two years without playing football. He has suspension concerns. I don't think that even if something were to go wrong with Watson, that Thompson Robinson is, you know, automatically guaranteed any sort of a starting job, but the upside you have is the Konami code is the rushing ability is the fact that the Browns offense, I think should be good with any sort of competent quarterback play. Um, so underrated just by the sheer fact that he's basically undrafted and I think has some upside as a, you know, former like top end prospect, you know, c- coming into college as well. Um, I know that this isn't a guy that you really had even heard of a month ago, uh, <laughs> but what are your thoughts on Thompson Robinson now that he's gone to the fifth round of the Browns and maybe looking at his stats further? Well, the, I mean, if there ever was a, you know, a, a high ceiling with a negative floor, uh, it's, probably DTR uh, looking back and, and doing a little bit more research. So we don't sound like complete frauds. Uh, I, I do think that as time went on, he, he probably got better. Uh, I think Chip Kelly probably was a big factor in that. However, I, I just, he's one of those athletes that can't really quarterback, if you will. I, I think there's some things that just fundamentally you cannot, you, that you just don't have. And I think, unfortunately, he's missing about half of what's necessary at being a quarterback at even a moderately high level. Now, I understand, again, he did play college football. He was a fairly successful quarterback. I just, there's, there's the timing is, it, it's bad. The vision is probably worse. He throws a nice ball, though. I, I will give him that. It's pretty uh, I just, I love the rushing upside. So there is always that portion of it. I just, he, he's essentially has to learn how to play quarterback while continuing to be the athlete that he is. So it's a good spot for him to probably learn where you do have a quote unquote locked in starter. But as you mentioned, Deshaun Watson isn't necessarily the cleanest. Uh, so there, there's potential early opportunity there, uh, uh, you know, barring any, uh, any further off the field issues with Watson. Uh, I just, I think there's a long way to go before we could think, Hey, he's ready. Um, he's going right. to, he's, he's going to be, you could, you could implement a, a you know, a package for him, a, a little, a little RPO package or something, but I, I just, it, it, we're a long ways off. Yeah. And I referenced roster clogger with, with Hennon hooker. 
Thompson Robinson is going to clog your roster. Like you, yeah. you have to know you're committing a roster spot. To, like obviously, theoretically, you, you you know he's free, so you can drop him at any time. But if you want to see him through, you're going to be committing a roster spot to him for at least two years. Um, I mentioned his upside on the ground: 600 rushing yards in each of the last two seasons, 21 total rushing touchdowns over the last two seasons. So you know it's it's hard to really project a like Taysom Hill type career. But you could potentially look at that as like a potential alternative ceiling. Like if his ceiling isn't playing like a you know poor man's Jalen Hurts, obviously very 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 poor man's. <laughs> um, but if it's not that, maybe he switches to tight end or maybe like a Terrell Pryor. Like there's there's other opportunities for him to play. But I wouldn't necessarily be looking at those in terms of oh I'm drafting him in the sixth round of a rookie draft to be Taysom Hill. So are you saying he should have taken the advice that Lamar Jackson was being given and switched to wide receiver? Well, honestly, I, I think he's fine where he is. I think he's going to have a nice backup quarterback career, um, but we'll see what he ends up doing. Next, we'll go to the running back position. I'll start off with overrated. Um, I had a little bit of a difficult time with this. I don't think there's a lot of overrated running backs in this class. I think a lot of the running backs are going where they're supposed to go. Uh, I, I think that, when you look at the running back position, you know, I'm the draft capital guy. So I kind of look at, okay, who was the one who is being overdrafted in ADP in comparison with their, uh, you know, uh, draft capital. And the only answer for that is Roshan Johnson. He has a nice opportunity with the bears. That is a very crowded. It's a crowded, but gross backfield with Travis Homer and Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert. Like I think there there's, I, I think, there is a chance that Roshan Johnson is the RB1 for the Bears and ends up outshining the ADP of RB6 and 17 overall. But I also think there's a decent chance Roshan Johnson is the RB3 in that offense and maybe a special teamer. And, you know, teams draft fourth-round running backs to be special teamers. Um, so th- there's a wide range of outcomes for Roshan Johnson, but the fact that he's going ahead of day two guys in Ty J Spears and Tank Bixby, and then a slew of day two wide receivers and tight ends, Sam Laporta, Rishi Rice, Marvin Mims, Josh Downs, so him going ahead of all those guys is a bit concerning, but I understand there's the ceiling there that Roshan Johnson probably has the highest ceiling of the guys that are being drafted below him, but the floor is is basically zero. If it was 1987, GMs would have been drooling over this guy because he plays that old school north south just bulldozer. Uh, kind of reminds me of like Jerome Bettis a little bit, and, and that's that's not a positive thing. <laughs> I know. Great. Jerome Bettis, uh, Hall of Famer. Not not a positive thing. Um, I think the one potential positive here is that the Chicago Bears absolutely 100% reached for him. Um, I don't think he was slated to go until like fifth or sixth, and then they reach and get him early slash mid fourth. Um, That that is a vote of confidence for Rashawn Johnson. However, I I just I don't see I, I see him going to be playing more of just the grindy fullbacky type role I, I don't see a carry eater uh you're going to have a short yardage guy which could potentially lead to some red zone stuff and again fourth round running backs i i don't understand the the obsession here with moving and yes they, they they probably overdrafted him so they like him which is great but you know you you looked at someone like David Montgomery, who people were starting to get down on because he wasn't as explosive as as maybe he had previously looked. Well, I can tell you right now, Rashawn Johnson is not explosive. He has no getaway speed. He has no long speed. He, has, he, he barely has burst to find a lane. 
the positive he has is that they went and got him. They overdrafted him, and he's strong like a bull. So if they need him on the field for for short yardage or red zone, he's probably going to be out there. And he's he's a he's a plus uh, pass blocker as well, which is good. This is one of those he is more than almost positively going to be a much better NFL player than he is a fantasy player. And we see that all over the place. Um, you know, you get you get all these fullback guys. You see Jay Ham with the Minnesota Vikings. That team would not have a run game the way that it has over the last however many years that he's been there without him. Does he get in the end zone from time to time? Absolutely. Kyle Juszczyk with the 49ers. He finds random fantasy-relevant weeks, but he's not somebody you're ever starting. And I understand these guys are more fullbacks. But Rashawn Johnson is not going to be your every down. It, definitely no bell cow work for him. So interestingly, I did put Roshan Johnson in his 115 pick draft capital into the road of his sim score. This is something I haven't seen in a while. Normally, when you when you go to the sim score, you'll see a couple like one or two like high 80s, low 90s. Um, Roshan Johnson has a lot of similar players to him. He has two 100 sim score matches. And he has nine sim score matches above 90. So there's a lot of guys. Oh my that, God. <laughs> so we have a lot of guys that are, are very similar to Roshan Johnson. Some good, some bad. Um, one of the 100 sim scores is Damian Pierce, which that's kind of like, that's the ideal scenario for Damian, or for Roshan Johnson. He becomes Damian Pierce. Um, Snoop Connor from last year also, that would be a, a poor version. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then Damian Harris, 99, and Dexter Williams, 97, wow. Mike Davis, 95. So. Definitely some some definitely guys that have had NFL success with his sim scores. Um, I just worry about crowded backfield and the fact that he's going ahead of Tank Bigsby and Ty J Spears. That's why I have Roshan Johnson is overrated, even though I love the Bears offense and it hurts to say that. Was that uh, was that the Mike Davis that you listed? Oh yeah, the dog, <laughs> the do, the dog poop that has never been eaten. Yeah, uh, I, I thought maybe we we're going to go down that road with Roshan Johnson once he said Mike Davis, but thankfully we we won't be doing any more betting. Uh, on bad running backs we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so uh, Nathan had overrated with Sean Johnson, RB6, 17 overall. I, I'm, you know, a couple of spots lower in the RB totem pole, but a couple of rounds lower in the overall. I'm going to take Deuce Vaughn, and and I know I just, I kind of poo-pooed uh, Rashawn Johnson there a little bit for a, a lot of the things that Deuce Vaughn probably also is, but I think we're looking at two very different offenses, one that has supported a Deuce Vaughn 
kind of of guy, I, I guess. Now, he's what, like four and a half feet tall? He's very small, from what I recall. Um, what what I do like, though, is is opportunity. Yes, Tony Pollard is there, and he has looked very good, but very good while spelling Zeke Elliott, or at the very least, having somebody else in the backfield with him. I don't see a lot of a lot of other potential on this roster as far as running backs are concerned. It is Tony Pollard and Deuce Vaughn. And there's, I think, a family link with Deuce Vaughn and the Cowboys as well. So, yeah. So, uh, we'll touch on that briefly. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Because I think that, unfortunately, that does, like, look like, does he potentially go undrafted? Like, is he a UDFA if he doesn't get drafted by his dad? Um, I, I, I actually think he went later than, than I thought he would have. Yeah, no, I mean, cause, um, cause he has the production at the college level. He just doesn't have the size and that can obviously size can be a huge deal breaker where teams, you know, see a guy listed at five, at five, five, one seventy nine. like, okay, he can't withstand, withstand the hits of the NFL. But I do think that. Like, I, I agree with you. He's underrated. He's a guy who I've been scooping up, you know, in the later rounds for cheaper auction bucks and rookie auctions because the opportunity is definitely there to be an RB2. And even if he is small, even if he can't withstand, like, the beating of the NFL, like, all he needs to pay off his his price is, like, to average six to eight carries, maybe one to two catches. And that's, like, outperforming a late third-round rookie pick. Yeah, I mean, and and if you go back and you watch Deuce Vaughn, at K State, he he displayed that he can pretty much do everything. I will say, uh, being what five 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 six and like one hundred and seventy pounds, probably not going to do great at pass blocking. Probably not going to pick up many blitzes. But if he's willing to do it, that means he can learn to do it and be get better at it, get stronger. Now slowing down Aaron Donald, probably not going to happen in this lifetime. But he's out there, so. I, I do think that he can do everything we need a running back to do. Um, and I don't see him, again, l- like Rashawn Johnson, I don't see him anywhere near a bell cow type role for obvious reasons. He does not have the size to do something like that. However, he most definitely can be a, a, a second option in a running in a, in a backfield. He could be the guy that spells Tony Pollard the way Tony Pollard spelled Ezekiel Elliott. He can be out there for any pass plays, any running plays. You can you can split him out. Really, genuinely, he he can play the position the way you need him to. He was just put in the wrong body. That's that's the best way I could describe Deuce Vaughn. So I think early fourth, late third. I'm probably moving into like the mid third, early third to get Deuce Vaughn. If he continues to go at these prices, I, I genuinely think uh, this this won't be a roster clogger in my mind. I think a lot of the guys we talked about previously. Uh, are are definitely more in line to be roster cloggers. I think Deuce Vaughn has an outside chance at being somewhat productive as a rookie and finding more production as his career goes on. All right. Before I get into my uh, my Rotovis Sim scores for uh, Deuce Vaughn, if I were to say uh, Rich Rebar early to mid 2010s running back, who are you thinking of? Um. Early to mid 2010s. Oh, God, I don't even know. Uh, I, I don't remember. I don't like Murray Stones drew. 
No, Lance Dunbar. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, <laughs> Rich Rebar, our good friend Rich, Rich Rebar, uh, would stand for <laughs> for Lance Dunbar more than anyone on the planet. Uh, and Lance Dunbar is the top sim score for Deuce Vaughn at fifty four. So obviously, not a whole lot of five five guys playing in the NFL uh, to have some more sim scores. But we have Lance Dunbar, Justin Jackson, Bobby Rainey, Noel Devine. Um, the 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 furthest you have to go down to have like an actual like legitimate like NFL career, Dion Lewis at twenty one and Aaron Jones at eighteen. Um, so I think there's definitely some upside with him as an RB two, uh, NFL RB two, probably fantasy RB four, but definitely along the lines of like the end end of roster guy. Yeah, I think he's he's bumped. On, I mean, again, it depends on the roster, right? Some some of the rosters in some of our leagues, Nathan, they are Deuce Vaughn would be their RB one. Um, <laughs> but yes, I, I I think I think there's at least a, a better than zero chance. And, and again, I was poo pooing Rashawn Johnson for being a fourth round pick and going where he's going. Deuce Vaughn being in the sixth again, I think I think he was passed on because of his size almost entirely. Uh, but going to one of the better running back landing spots just based on historical production. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all in for, for Deuce Vaughn at the price. All right. Now let's go to our overrated wide receiver. Who do you have in that slot, Dan? Well, I had two options, and I, I ended up having to go with Zay Flowers here. Now, I, I do understand the importance of Baltimore bringing back Lamar Jackson. They bring in Odell Beckham Jr., you still have Rashad Bateman. Uh, that is not a passing offense. Uh, it is a Mark Andrews, and you hope for somebody else to get like 80 targets. That is a run first, run second, run third offense. We do have, I think, one year of Lamar doing big-time things. Um, but it seems somewhat obvious to me that Baltimore is, is set in their ways and will continue to be a run-first offense. Obviously, when you have someone as essentially untouchable as Lamar Jackson is, once he gets going, it's hard not to want to run the football. And then you bring uh, an undersized wide receiver who, I mean, some people love. Obviously, he does have the draft capital. I I don't see him being any more than like an RB or a wide receiver two in an NFL offense, regardless of his, of his draft capital, regardless of, of, you know, his, his target share potential, that team runs through Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews only. Um, in order for Zay Flowers to, to crack this code, we're going to need a Hollywood Brown esque season out of, out of Zay Flowers uh, from a few years ago, prior to Hollywood Brown being traded. But that was a year where Hollywood Brown had the lion's share of the targets, or at the very least, similarly targeted to Mark Andrews. So we, we're a long way off from this being a, a, a smash pick. Being nine overall in wide receiver four, the other option here was Quentin Johnson. I, I don't like the player. Short term, I hate the landing spot. Long term, it could be great. Uh, but for now, it's, it's Zay Flowers, because I think at best... He starts out at wide receiver three and he's going to get frustrated with 40 targets over the season. So here's where I disagree here is 
this class is terrible. It's very, very bad. <laughs> so there is no one below Zay Flowers that I would even consider drafting ahead of him. Maybe Kincaid and tight end premium, but realistically, there isn't a single guy below Zay Flowers. Not Kincaid, not Levis, not A-Chain, not Charbonnet, not, not Kenny Miller. Like, if Charbonnet had gone to, or Charbonnet, whoever's correcting me with that, um, if he had gone second round to a place where he was going to be slated to be the RB1 immediately, maybe you could have him ahead of Zay Flowers. But Zay Flowers can't be overrated because he is at his absolute floor of you can't have anyone above him, in my opinion. Some people have Kincaid. Some people might have Levis or A-Chain. That's not me. I have him very firmly in Superflex as the ninth best player, and he's going at nine overall. So he's very much going at the, the spot he should. I guess the, the one... The one spot you could potentially say he's overrated is maybe in the auction format. Like if he's going for similar prices as Addison and Johnston, then maybe you could say Flowers is maybe a little overrated. But I I have them all in the same tier. I think that's fine. Um, So, yeah, I I disagree here. I can see how it would happen. I think that if Zay Flowers is going nine in any other draft class, he's overrated. But in this draft class, he's going where he should go. Well, you know how I feel about guys like Marvin Mims and potentially Rishi Rice. Um, I don't know that I would take them over Zay Flowers. Obviously, Flowers has that draft capital. But I do think that those guys are more in the same ballpark, and as well as Quentin Johnson, instead of in the ballpark of Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Uh, I will say in Superflex and, and tight end premium, I'm taking Kincaid, I'm taking Mayer, and probably Laporta over Flowers. Uh, I'm definitely taking Levis over Flowers. And I, like like you, had Charbonnet gone to anywhere but Seattle or somewhere with an established running back, he's for sure going ahead. Um, Devin Kane, man, I, I don't know. I, I think I might consider that because of the potential. Now, we do this every year with the Miami running backs, right? We see one, oh, they're going to be great. They're going to be great. Oh, not dead. Okay, cool. This is fun. Back to Jeff Wilson. Uh, so, yes, I, and I think I think Mingo, who I know that you are a, a fan of, I think he's got a chance to not only be better short-term because of that roster, but have a better career, I think. If Bryce Young becomes what we think Bryce Young can become, Jonathan Mingo almost definitely is going to have a better career than Zay Flowers, whereas I think Zay Flowers is going to be lowly, low targeted until he potentially finds a new team or the Ravens decide to move on from Mark Andrews, which is a bad football decision. All right, move on to our underrated wide receiver. I almost put Jonathan Mingo here. But looking at ADP, there isn't any guys going ahead of him that I'm like, okay, Mingo should definitely be ahead of. Like, maybe Mingo should be ahead of Kendra Miller and maybe Michael Mayer. Um, But I don't really see a lot of guys that should be going below him that are ahead of him. So I didn't go him. I went with uh, Nathaniel, Tank Dell, um, wide receiver 12, 30 overall in ADP. Um, A lot of guys who are going ahead of him went below him in the NFL draft. I know we've ha- we've seen mixed results from quote unquote players like hand picking a player, but allegedly Tank Dell was hand picked by CJ Stroud saying, "I want that guy." There's a lot of it's it's weird. There's a lot of different wide receivers on the Texans. There's Tank Dell. There's Robert Woods. There's C- uh, there's um, John Mechie. John Mechie, and then um, who's the guy from two years ago um, that I'm liking on? Um, Nico Collins. 
Yes, Nico Collins. There's a lot of guys, but there isn't one guy who, like, stands above the rest. Like, any of those guys could be the wide receiver one. Any of those guys could be the wide receiver four. Obviously, from a better perspective, you probably would place Woods as the wide receiver one, but he is super washed. Um, but, yeah, Tank Dell, I, I am a sucker for young offenses that I want to invest in these depth pieces that if Tank Dell becomes the wide receiver one or two, then in the C.J. Stroud offense and becomes an explosive young offense – then that's going to obviously be very fruitful for a guy who's going in the the third round of rookie drafts in Superflex rookie drafts. Um, So yeah, as a guy who's going lower than his draft capital indicates and in a young offense, that's why I'm all aboard the tank Dell train Um, before I hand it to you looking at his road of his SIM score uh, app is 69 overall. Anthony Miller, Chris Givens, Torrey Smith, Golden Tate, Sky Moore, Mike Wallace, Manuel Sanders, Randall Cobb, hit some misses but definitely some higher upside than you might have thought from Tank Dell in those comparables. Yeah, I think you and I are are on a similar uh, a similar path here with with Tank Dell. I, I do think he fell a little bit in the draft, um, which maybe as as a little bit concerning. The reason why, who knows? Uh, but the opportunity for Tank Dell early is fairly immense. Um, you know, we, we we talk about size a lot, and, and obviously 5'8", 165, probably you know, not your, your ideal size. We talk about age a lot. 23 and a half years old, probably not the ideal age. However, he comes into a spot where he really doesn't have a lot of guys to compete with. Very similarly to uh, Jonathan Mingo in Carolina. He's got a couple of the veterans, and then it's just kind of him. And... You know, you, you talk about some of the comparables, you know, a, a Golden Tate, obviously, you know, an undersized guy, but he just kind of always got it done. Another guy that I think makes uh, a little bit of sense from just just looking at the player side by side would be someone like Isaiah McKenzie, who has found a little bit of relevance from time to time. Obviously, he's not an every week starter, but these kinds of guys, these these undersized, these small slots, these speed slots. These kinds of guys have have found their place in the NFL, and you know when you when you dominate in target uh, in targets in college the way that Tank Dell did, and you know you you know he's built even at his size for that type of workload. So I think he can he can take the beating that a lot of people are worried about, and and that's something that is always kind of stressful because you get these undersized guys, and it's like, well, well, can they do it? Can they do it? Can they? You know, can they take can they take hits on every single play? And when your target share is 31 percent in college, Nathan, uh, yeah, you can take hits a lot. You can be a little bit undersized. And if you can consistently catch the football and consistently be targeted while also just getting bodied by people that are almost entirely bigger than you, you you know that you can be in it for the long run. Now, I understand the the NFL player size versus the college football player size is vastly different as well. But there is a place here for Tank Dell. I think he works. Uh, he, he can work well. He can bring that that speed slot into pretty much any offense in the NFL uh, if they are designing plays for it. I don't think he's ever going to be a world beater. I don't think he's ever a wide receiver one per se. But I do think he can be fantasy relevant. All right, let's move on to our favorite portion of the show, which is the tight end portion. Overrated tight ends. I, I think that most of these tight ends are fine. Um, I, I actually think I like the value of the early guys of Michael Mayer. Kincaid's fine. 
And then um, I, I like Luke Musgrave a lot at his draft capital slash draft position. So the overrated guy, I'm going to go with the one that he's going to be hitting his 30th birthday in like two weeks. It's Luke <laughs> Schoonmacher, um, the 25-year-old um, third-round draft pick. or He's going to be 25-year-old soon um, by the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, Dallas has a lot of um, you know weapons that aren't Luke Schoonmacher. And so waiting on him to become fantasy relevant might be a process. Also, Jake Ferguson looked good in 2022, relatively. Um, so I think Ferguson gets those early looks and Schoonmacher ends up being a bit of a blocker too. Um, so it's hard for a, a player going tight in 531 overall to be quote unquote overrated. But that's what's going to happen with the tight end position is you're going to have to find a guy who's going a little bit later that you just think is a little bit overvalued. And for me, that's Luke Schoonmacher. Uh, I think he has a, a road to relevance and is potentially a roster clogger very early, very early. Yeah, to me, this this was a and we talked about it a little bit pre-show was was a little bit of a panic pick. I think I, I, I think Dallas was more most definitely looking at one of the other tight ends and they got sniped. They panicked. They took Schoonmacher. Um and if you go and you look at your favorite thing to do, Nathan, is is using Rotoviz's prospect box score scout uh, with the draft pick of 58. I believe is that accurate? 58. Um, yeah. You know we are we're, we're we're not we're not doing super hot here. There's not a lot of um, there's not, there's not a lot of high sims, and the ones that are don't exist <laughs> or ever <laughs> existed. So there, there's some worry here. I, I, I get that he probably went in the ballpark of, of where he should have gone. Uh, I, I think he's a multiple tight end set kind of tight end, and I don't see him as the number one tight end. I, I feel like he can do a lot of the things that, that we look for tight ends to be able to do, but I also a big worry about about Schoonmacher as well is he kind of has a little bit of that like uh, Zach Ertz in a bad way to him where he he doesn't use his size effectively he just kind of gets it and drops or or he's not I don't, I don't want to say he's like not imposing but he he doesn't have that big presence on the field he's not your your Travis Kelsey's your I mean hell even Jason Witten with his dad bod imposed his size on on defenses regularly so i think he's got kind of everything you want him to have i just i i think ability wise he's got a ways to go and i think you're right i think jake ferguson really started to impress and it'll more than likely be him as tight end one schoonmacher as tight end two but i think both of them will will be on field a lot together. I think we'll see a lot more of those those two tight end sets coming from McCarthy, who's going to want to run the football now that he's taking over play calling. Um, so the one positive is he's going to be on the field. Any any audibles out or or any play action, um, he's going to be running routes. So uh, there's there's a chance that he not only gets work early on, but he could potentially take over Ferguson's spot. However, I would agree that I, I think as is there are guys behind him that I would take over him in, in this situation, mostly because I feel like Dallas panic pick. All right. And let's wrap up the show with who is your underrated tight end. My underrated tight end. You have to do some scrolling to find my friend. 
We are looking all the way down at 46 overall. The new Jacksonville Jaguar, Brenton Strange, uh, has the draft capital. Uh, I know a lot of people just see him as kind of your prototypical blocker. But we've seen those kinds of guys become become assets in the past. Now, I don't want to say he can't catch, but this is another one of those Penn State athletic freaks, if you will. Um, you know, it is one of his more comparables with somebody like Tyler Conklin, former Minnesota Viking, who took to the nickname of Gronklin. Uh, and for a reason, he, he, he talk about imposing people. Brenton Strange is one of those imposing type guys. Now, 6'4", 250, a little bit smaller than someone like Schoonmacher, who we just talked about, but he plays so much bigger. He's so much more athletic and explosive. Is is 4'7", 40. Doesn't seem crazy, but when you think about somebody that's 6'4", 250, doing 4'7", 40, will also, you know, potentially doing that with a ball in their hands and having big-time strength, being an effective blocker, um, I, I think this is somebody that is going to live on the field. Now, obviously, Evan Ingram had one of his better years, and I think he'll continue to do so. But I mentioned it before where we're going to see more of these multi-tight end sets in the NFL because of how athletic the tight end position has gotten. He's going to be on the field. Uh, yeah, and, all, and also, Evan Ingram is, is playing on the franchise tag. Correct. And so you don't – I mean, obviously, you know, teams – uh, unnecessary allocate assets all the time, but I'm guessing you don't spend a late second rounder on Brenton Strange if you plan on investing big money into Evan Ingram in 2024. So this is probably a pick for okay, you spend a year like it. Let, let's say Brenton Strange hit. You know, we're not like tight end blocking analysis guys, anyways. But let, let's say his his strength is blocking, and then he needs to work on the receiving game. You know who can teach him about the rece- receiving game? The guy who can't block at all, Evan Ingram. Um, <laughs> So, you know, kind of learn behind Evan Ingram a little bit, you know, get those blocking chop, chops up at the NFL level. And then if Evan, Evan Ingram walks, he's in position to be a, a, a team, not only just the team's tight end one, but a team's tight end one that has Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. So it may stink to hold on to Strange because you're not getting any production out of Britain Strange in 2023. It's not going to happen. Um, but there's definitely the potential for production, you know, potentially a tight end two type production in 2024. So if you can, if you can burn the roster spot, strange may be worth it. Yeah. And, and especially in a tight end premium type league, this is, this is one of the more ideal type of stash players that you can go out and find. And there, there are a couple of other, you know, later round tight ends, but I don't see any of them that have the potential upside to be paired with Trevor Lawrence uh, in a, in a, a possible tight end opening uh, on the, in that starting roster as early as next season, really as early as this season, if Evan Ingram falters even slightly, but um, now, you know, I, I think what we'll see from strange is that he is uh, an extraordinarily effective blocker and he'll surprise some folks as a pass catcher. All right. Uh, any last? Uh, so that should wrap us up for today. Um, we've hit on overrated, underrated. We'll probably continue some rookie talk into next week. Maybe we'll start getting into, into some Debbie. I know some Debbie drafts, Debbie auctions are starting up soon. Um, but any last words, Dan? If we do Debbie or not, this will effectively be the first year I could not name any <laughs> Debbie yeah, players. No. Well, I, we'll wrap up with this. I posted a Debbie poll because I, I have a Debbie draft ongoing, um, and I don't really care if 
people see who I'm interested in. So I post polls of players I'm considering. And I posted a list of players that are legitimately top 50 Debbie assets. <laughs> and Dan has no idea. So if, if, if Dan's in a Debbie league that is more than 20 deep, he's in trouble in 2023. You're lucky because I'm not. <laughs> you are. You're in Rotoviz, but you've traded those always, so. Hey, I do still have Travion Henderson, who I do know and do think is the is the next him. He is him. <laughs> Alrighty, that should wrap us up for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Nathan. Ta-da! There it is.